from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome wherever you are. I'm your glamorous host, David Strausser. Welcome to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz, your place to grow a business during global chaos. Another data-driven marketing episode slated for y'all today with a kick-butt career transformation. First though, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can join the channel, become a baby shark for only $3 a month. Now, if giving money through big tech is not your thing, no fear, we got you covered. Head on over to deadhousecoffee.com, use code SHARK, uh, get 20% off of your order, and all the proceeds will directly support this channel, making it the biggest and best show we possibly can. So let's get back to today's episode. Really, I got a pretty cool story for you all to hear from somebody who went from a literal history major to a data-driven marketing analyst. She brings out some really rocking points about how going for history actually allowed her to excel in data-driven marketing. It's an amazing conversation and you do not want to miss it. So, who is today's guest? Oh, so glad you asked. None other than Christy Osborne. Christy Osborne, a proud data nerd, is the owner and founder of Mountainside Media, a consulting firm devoted to using market research data and analytics to support event professionals as they develop scalable marketing strategies to grow their business. Christy is dedicated to guiding the industry in a direction that ditches tired old sales pitches and turns its focus on what really matters, turning data into dollars. Remember that right there. That is the best line I think I've ever heard. Totally love it. Her penchant for all things digital and a knack for critical thinking have made Christy into the analytics master that she is today, always prepared to dig into web metrics and refine a marketing strategy based on its ROI. Her approach marries website stats with social media data for an effective one-two punch of real concrete analytics that are invaluable to her clients. Beyond data-driven marketing analysis, Christy frequents the national speaker circuit where she shares her expertise on stage for organizations like NACE, CaterSource, WIPA, and ABC. She is also a regular contributor to many industry publications, including special events, Cater Source, Sage Wedding Pros, and Wedding Business Magazine. That was the introduction of all introductions. I want to shut up right now. Let's bring Christy on in here. Reach your customer. Christy, welcome to Shark by Biz. You, my friend? You just became shark bait. I'm so excited. I'm super excited to be here. And I love what you're doing. I checked in, like I said, I was yeah. looking uh, in February and I checked in again uh, today and I was like, oh my gosh, you're doing so many really cool interviews, really cool stuff. So yeah, I'm excited yeah, yeah. to be on the show. I'll give you the 50 bucks for saying that later. 
Uh, Venmo yeah, it to I you. I got Venmo. Yeah. <laughs> there Venmo you me. go. There you go. Osborne loves. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, you know, as I was telling you, we have a tradition here on the show. Very first question. Always got to ask everybody, you know, who are you? Where you been? Where are you going? Basically tell everybody out there what makes Christy, Christy. Yeah. Thanks for asking. I'm Christy Osborne. I am the owner of a digital agency that specializes in ads and analytics for small businesses um, called Mountainside Media. And it's named Mountainside Media because I'm a, I live in the mountains. I was born and raised in the mountains. <laughs> I've only lived in the mountains except for college. And because of that, I'm constantly surrounded by local businesses. Like I'm everything I love is local businesses. When I yep. wrote my master's thesis in college to get my history degree, it was all local, 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 local. So <laughs> even though I'm the internet, I like the local businesses. Um, Hold on a second. Into- Hold on. You, you just said for a history degree? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do history degree, but you you're in marketing. Okay. Explain the career transformation there. I, I don't think it needs explanation. It's a history <laughs> degree. Like nobody needs, apparently nobody needs a professional right. historian, but everybody needs a website. Exactly. <laughs> everybody exactly. needs ads done You know, I have, so I have an 18 year old. We're going through the same exact discussion right now. And it's like, you know. Yeah, he is the producer of this podcast, so I got to be very careful what I say. But it's like, I know you understand, you love the video thing, you love audio stuff. Make that like maybe the minor, like, because you already have a ton of natural abilities that you've learned on your own. Do you really want to pay tens of thousands of dollars to learn what you've already learned? Right. Now, I don't regret the history degree at the undergrad level because I I feel like um, humanities and social sciences and, you know, good liberal arts education, not snowflake liberal, but like actual like a broad range of subjects uh, made me a good thinker. But at the graduate school level, I probably could have done something. Oh, so so you just something doubled down else then. with that money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, well, you live and you learn, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay. like so, another sixty thousand dollars I didn't need to spend on my education. <laughs> so, how did you get into the marketing then? I mean, it sounds like you found out that everybody does need a website. So, I, yes. I, I'd love to hear that story. It sounds like there is a story there. Well, so there is a story there. So, <laughs> I'm in grad school, and I got assigned because I had museum experience coming out of undergrad. I got assigned my graduate assistantship, instead of getting a research um, professor, because my professor I was supposed to study under was uh, deployed in uh, Iraq or Iraq or whatever. And so I got put into the museum and crazy, crazy professor that ran that museum just all over the place all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I did my first year, I was doing oddball things for him. And that summer, right before the, my first summer, he said, Hey, Christy, um, can you build me a website? Do you know how to build websites? And to (laughs) him, you know, he's in his sixties and I was in my early thirties at this point. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll build you a website. And I knew Uh nothing about websites. Right. So this is like, in 2007 so that's you do the math that's how old i am so it's 2007 oh, yeah. and i was like well we're in the same ballpark then we're not too far right, away. right so i'm 
I'm literally learning like front end development on the fly. Like I'm like learning HTML and CSS because that's how you did it back then. WordPress was in its like early, early, early years. And even to set up a WordPress site and before WordPress, it was Joomla. So that was, you know, Mm -hmm. but you had to figure out basic HTML, basic CSS. You needed to figure out how to read at least be proficient and read and modify PHP and JavaScript. And I'm like, fine, I'm, that's how it goes. So I build this website, image mapping the whole thing from like PDF files that some department gave me to build. Because I didn't understand about slicing and Photoshop and stuff like that. I'm like, I'll just yeah. export it all to images and 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 just upload the image to the internet. And like I image mapped all, it was a nightmare. It, like it was a mess, but it went up. And nobody came to it. And I was like, well, this sucks. So I tried, I started figuring out like, well, how do I, like, how do I get people to find this website so that they, that they can visit it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the the very early start. Then my cohort, because they're a bunch of jerks, were like, you're not a serious academic, right? Because I thought still I was going to get my PhD and be a professor at this point. Right. Because but I loved this website stuff and this marketing stuff. And they're like, you're not taking your career seriously. Well, we all graduated in 2008, right? As the entire economy is tanking, right? These dum-dums were in the PhD track, go working at like Publix in the supermarket at the deli. And I'm like, ha I'm setting up my own business fools. And that was it. That was, <laughs> that was the tra- trajectory. And I just, yeah. I never got my PhD and I never looked back. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, I told you there was a fun story behind there. I just sensed something. it. <laughs> but that yeah. is, uh, you know, I think a lot of people that are, I, I guess I'll say our age, because uh, I, I think we're around that same same group. But I think there's a lot of people that we've talked to on the podcast even too, that have gone through that same thing, that they were so, you know, I, I you kind of grew up with like, hey, you need to go to college if you want to be something. There's That's no right. other way. And you can be anything you want. Get the history degree, get the the liberal arts degree, and then you end up with the problem that we have now in our society where you have a lot of people that realistically, I mean, they may be really, really, really smart people, but they have degrees and they're really smart in things that really don't matter. And yeah. they don't have those tangible skills. And that's exactly well, history the history matters. I'll fight you History, that. History matters. It matters. But it doesn't. when I say it doesn't matter, I mean, it doesn't matter as far as being able to, you know, do something constructive for a business. There are. There are. But there are limited uses for it. Unlike if you went for coding or if you went for marketing or, you know, business or operations, things like that, that you could a- apply those skills to. So, I mean, it doesn't sound like... And it sounds like it really worked out for you, though. I'm sure there's well, so a lot in the, between. I so here's the, I'm right? going to fight you on this, right? I'm gonna yeah. try, and I don't see this all me. the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't care what you say or what idea you have, but you better, better come ready to <laughs> oh, fight man. for Because if I have a different idea, I'm coming out with it. So here's... You were supposed I to warn me about that before the podcast started. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't need... I didn't need to get a master's degree in like full stop. Like mm-hmm. that was, that was, that might, maybe it was a waste of 
of time and money. But I'll tell you, I went to a good a, a good undergraduate school, which of course is mm-hmm. you know pandemic affected and and might not be might not be a college anymore. So you know, I'll have yeah. a <laughs> have no college degree but a master's degree. Great. The thing is, is at in college mm-hmm. to a, a lesser, if you go to a good school, you get taught how to be a producer of information, right? Okay. And this kind of ties into like my philosophy about small business success and growth. Um, okay. At the master's degree, you know, you show up to school and they're like, all right, you're the historian now. Like you go figure it out. You go do the research. You go write the books. You go like not not book report books. Like you're mm-hmm. you're the historian now. You're that's the the master's level for for the humanities. They're they're grooming you for academics. So you're an apprentice at that level. And so what that what that taught me is that there is information out there that's likely very difficult to get at. And, mm-hmm. and maybe even obscure and will take some work and can be quite confusing, right? Because you think about the historical record, it's in, and I'll get into like data and analytics because I can tie it all well, that, together. That's exactly where I was going to go. But you think about the historical record, right? And I want you to just like for the audience, right? Just think for a minute. And this is funny. I used to do all this when I taught history. Think of everything that you did today. Yep. Everything. And think of what has been recorded of your actions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. Are there receipts? Are, you know, you consumed all this content on your phone, which was tracked. There's lights on traffic, on, on traffic lights, there's cameras, right? Like there's all of this, this evidence that you've existed. And now you fast forward a hundred years into the future and how much of the evidence that you produce today of your existence still exists. Like a, if anything, yeah. it's a it's a minuscule amount. And so what historians, what our craft is, is we we are looking at impartial, fragmented information all the time. And we're trying to extrapolate mm-hmm. the story from that in order to make it make sense and be reasonable. That's why we still have historians after 150 years. You're like, didn't you guys figure it out? You know, the Revolutionary War, the colonial historians, like didn't folks figure it out? Like 100 (laughs) years? No, because there's new information, new evidence and new minds on the information all the time. And so Mm -hmm. that's what history taught me. So when I get into marketing and I'm like, why is nobody coming to this website? How do I know nobody's coming to this website? How do I know right. why nobody's coming to this website? You know, all of a sudden, I'm not all of a the sudden, there's other stories that got me into data, but I'm looking at analytics like Google Analytics or or Facebook engagement. And, and because of my training, I'm asking myself, well, what does this mean? What's the story? Rather mm-hmm. than going onto the internet and listening to some guy tell me I need a 1% click-through rate. And, you know, like, <laughs> that's fine. But those benchmarks are going to change every, like, two minutes. Um, but my ability and my training to look at fragmented information mm-hmm. and ask myself, what's going on here? Be comfortable with being wrong because you're, you're, sometimes your guesses are just wrong look for information to either confirm or deny what I think is going on 
and just keep kicking that ball down the field. It seems right. like it didn't. It seems like, oh, you'd go to business school and you'd run like tabletops and and analyze other businesses and stuff. And I, I'm not going to say that doesn't work, but there's right. all sorts of avenues to get to thinking about business differently and, and, mm-hmm. and being successful in that regard. What What is demanded of you is you think for yourself. Yeah. Which yeah. is ironic because I'm like, listen to me. I'm an expert, but think for yourself. But listen to me, but think for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, no, that totally makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of where, when we were talking about that, it was registering in my head. Well, you know, a historian does have to deal with like historical data and piece those things together to kind of create a story out of the pieces of data that you get. And, yeah, let me give you let me give you yeah. an example. So I did a I did uh, an economic and cultural history of a mm-hmm. of, of a region in North Carolina in the Appalachian Mountains, and what I wanted to understand was why did this region, in which is near the Smoky Mountains, why did this region not like why wasn't it part of the Appalachian tragedy of, you know, white poverty and kids teeth rotting out by the time they're eight because they're drinking Mountain Dew? Like, why didn't that happen here? And what I started to realize is there was, uh, there was an economic mix that, that made it really helpful where if, you know, tobacco farming went south, they could Uh harvest timber. And if the tim if the timber commodities went south, they still had tourism. So there's there's this mix that's always kind of like moving mm-hmm. around, but but you're never reliant on like one industry. Well, so I'm doing this this research. You know what I was looking at in order to get a handle on it? A ledger of this guy that would just write down every day, like I went to Asheville and had some oranges and today it rained and it was foggy this morning, <laughs> like just a journal of nothing. Wow. Postcards, just postcards and people writing and what's in the picture, like tanneries, tanneries. You know what they used to tan leather back then? Pete. I mean, they're taking pictures of this and saying, yeah. this is great stuff. Check this out with what I saw. And then um, timber uh, sales from the U.S. Forest Service, right? So you you take those three pieces of evidence Timber yeah. sales from the U.S. Forest Service, postcards from tourists, and some guy's ledger about like fog and rain and eating oranges and the train to Asheville, right? And and you and you get handed that and you're like, make something out of this. That trains your mind to think in certain ways and to be both mm-hmm. persistent and creative with problem solving, like nothing else will. Wow, wow. It sounds like uh, no, it, that definitely is. That's a great story, and. Uh, I've got to ask, as far as the history background, is that what you had specialized in, like as far as uh, American or North American history? Yeah, yeah. So I did, uh, my specialty was um, fond de siècle, end of the century, end of the 19th century, from the second American Industrial Revolution, that which started rel- like after mm-hmm. the Gilded Age, after the Civil War, like 1880s, all the way up to 1920s. Okay. And that's that's what I did. There was, and it uh, I I'm reminded so often of how similar it was back then with like these huge, not just technological advances, but every time mm-hmm. you advance your technology, 
you're going to advance your economy. It's going to get more sophisticated, fast moving. It's going to have a lot of swings and ups and downs. A lot of people don't realize we had uh, depressions in the 1880s and 1890s in in the United States. And part of those wild swings had to do with like commodities and farming and stuff like that. But you also have like this like rough and tumble, like technological advance where things are getting faster. There's faster ways of communicating. There's faster ways of travel. There's trains, there's telegraphs. And businesses that are booming and developing around this. People are getting more creative, trying to think of the next thing. What's the next thing? That same human spirit that we think is so special today mm-hmm. totally happened before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see it. I mean, the, what does the cliche say? You know, like history repeats itself. Yeah. In and many it ways. In cycles. It goes in, in cycles. Ways. I definitely see that. So I've got to ask, since you love historical data, Okay, why should business professionals then be out there tracking their, you know, web analytics and that type of data? Well, let's kind of like kind of keep on keep on with this sort of history thread, right? So you're a small business and you either don't have time or don't have interest to do certain things like Mm -hmm. write copy for your website, which very few people like doing. Or being on social media, which even younger business owners don't always like doing. You know, we we like to do the personal stuff, but not always the stuff for the business. And yeah. maybe you somebody on the internet whispered in your ear about like SEO, right? So you have all of these things that you have to do. And if you hire good vendors, they're gonna let you know how they're doing, right? And each person is going to have different metrics and different ways of measuring success and that each each person has different best practices for measurement for that industry so the the search engine optimization specialist is going to talk to you about keyword ranking and traffic from search the um, social media person is going to talk to you about engagement and reach, and maybe if you're lucky, they'll talk about track the site, but probably not. And then your website copywriter is going to say the copy's written, and that's mm-hmm. it, right? And you, as the business owner, it's your responsibility, just like it was my responsibility as the historian, to take all of that information and and, and put it together in a way that's meaningful enough to help you advance your business to become more profitable, to get more revenue. It's your job to take the inputs and interpret them for your business. Nobody else's. Right. No, that totally makes sense. But when you get into that and you're tracking that type of stuff and you're talking about that, then you're pulling that all together. I mean, what kind of data points metrics do you recommend them, you know, keeping an eye on? Because there's a lot out there. And a lot of junk data too, right? There's a lot of junk data. So here is the most freeing yet likely unsatisfying answer anybody's going to hear about analytics, right? Mm -hmm. It depends. One of the things that got me into data and analytics for, for small businesses in particular is I was tired of seeing all of these internet gurus saying, you should do this and you should do that. (laughs) And seeing small businesses like... Uh just drive themselves into the ground trying to make it work. It's like, why don't I have a hundred thousand people? It's like, because you live in a 
town that's 8,000 people. Like, that's not how that's going to work for you. And so what I like to do is I like to take a, a really intimate approach and relationship to um, business data, your personal business metrics. So when it comes to like what metrics, what metrics you should look at, I can give you a couple and I probably will right. today. But what I'd rather do is, is invite you to ask, what did I expect to happen here? When I hired that SEO, what did I expect to happen? That's it. Did it happen? Yes or no. Why? Why did it happen? And can I do more of that? Why didn't it happen? And I do more of that. Uh, more of that. And the thing is, is the, the, what's going to answer that question is your metrics. And the metrics you look at is going to guide that. You don't have to look at all the metrics. You just have to ask yourself, like, I'm going to hire this SEO. And six months later, this guy told me something was going to happen. Did what I did, what I expect happen, happen. Because this guy is just the guy that you hired. And when I say guy, I mean, gender neutral, right? The the person that you (laughs) hired, um, that person said, I'm going to get you to rank and I'm going to get you search traffic. You as the business owner, what you were likely thinking I'm going to get more sales if I get more traffic. If you don't get more sales, but you're getting traffic and you ask yourself why, and you're in your Google Analytics and you're letting that question drive you, you can start clicking around and saying, okay, well, there's these search reports and there's this keyword report and it says that traffic's coming in. What keywords are they coming in on? Are these keywords down funnel keywords? Do they indicate buyer intent? Right. And so you're using the did I expect what happened happened and why or why not to drive which metrics you're looking at. Because if you hired an SEO and they're driving traffic and they're like, I'm doing a good job and you're not getting sales, but you listen to this guy telling you, well, you gotta go into your into your traffic report, make sure your bounce rate and you gotta make sure that <laughs> you're looking at the wrong thing. You need to look at the thing that you want to move the needle on and use the metrics (laughs) to figure out where you should take action. So maybe the wrong keyword, you're ranking for the wrong keywords. You're ranking for top of funnel keywords rather than bottom of funnel keywords. Well, now that drives action. You go back to your SEO and you're like, thank you for the wonderful job you've done. How do we get these top of funnel people down funnel? Can you help me with that? That's advancing your business. Everything else is navel gazing as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> no, I mean, that's great. This is some, uh, good, I think, deep, granular knowledge that you're just feeding to us in a, a way that just really makes sense. It's easy to comprehend. I mean, typically when I see it, say you're getting SEO or you know, you hire somebody for marketing or whatever it may be, and if you're getting traffic i mean i always thought about it oh well if you're getting traffic but then you're not getting sales maybe you have something that's broken down as far as with your product or your website not functioning right i didn't actually think about it well maybe we're getting traffic but it's the wrong type of traffic and that i see that i'm getting from you i see that all the time all the time. I see 
that's the biggest, that is one of the biggest mistakes I see mm-hmm. all sorts of like mid-sized businesses make as well. Yeah. They're getting all this traffic and I'm like, well, what kind of traffic is this? Is this good traffic? Is it where another thing is like, where are folks in the sales process when they hit my webpage? How do right. I know that? Well, I think about like, well, what kind of website, or I'm sorry, what kind of web pages are on my website? There's a homepage. Everybody goes, a lot of people go there. There's your services page or your menu or your shop page. There's your about page. There's your directions, your contact page. Maybe you have mm-hmm. a blog and you're blogging. And if podcast. you, if you, a podcast, right? If you think <laughs> about that customer journey, what does that mean? You know mm-hmm. what the customer journey is? It's um, what information does that person need to have in front of them to be aware of you? Awareness. Okay. What information does that person need in order to go from awareness to evaluation? That's that's the customer journey. It's you're just moving people from one step to the other. And in order to do that, it's not like, buy now, buy now, buy now. It's what information does that person need to move into the evaluation stage? What what information does that person need to move into the consideration stage? What pers- What information do they need to buy from me? And if you think about it in that way, you can map out your customer journey and then ask yourself, how can I measure? Mm-hmm them moving from one step to the other. How do I measure when somebody goes from away? How do I measure awareness? First of all, mm-hmm. maybe that's website traffic, but low time on site with a high bounce rate. Maybe it's, you know, reach on social media report. Right. But then once you have that number, how do you take that number and say, okay, how do I move a certain percentage of those people from awareness to evaluation? Mm-hmm. And when they're evaluating what, information do they need in order to start considering me to do business with me and then once you have that little map in your head then you can start to ask yourself how do I measure success once you've asked yourself how I measure success now you have some goals and KPIs and then you can say okay I'm really good at awareness and and engagement on social media, but I need to move them into an evaluation stage. How am I going to measure that? I'm going to measure that by traffic to website. Good. Now you have a key performance indicator. Then you hire some person to do your social media. And you say to this person, mm-hmm. not just do my social media, you, the business owner, taking responsibility for yourself, say, social media person. I want you to do social media and I want you to continue to grow my audience and engagement, which I know you love to do, and also figure out how to make those people go to my website. Now, as a business owner, you've given really critical direction to that person you've hired and that person says, okay, and then you give it a couple of months and then you look at that traffic to website from social media metric and you say, did what I expect happen, happen? Why or why not? So you and would boom, you're an analyst. Right. So that's, that's how literally you would say, all an analyst does. Yeah. 
Well, they get paid a lot to do it. Well, some do. <laughs> but, some do. Yeah, yeah, some do. <laughs> if they do it right. Uh, so that's how you would say would be a good way of measuring the effectiveness of the digital presence then, you know, measure it, like making the tweaks um, or having someone, you know, do whatever they're going to do in your social media presence, waiting six months and then kind of checking out, okay, am I getting an uptick? Uh, in overall traffic that's, I guess, consistent, right? Right. And again, like there's, there is nuance. I don't want to be like completely glib about everything all the time. Um, you want to ask when you're hiring somebody, you want to ask them for a timeline. You're going to say mm-hmm. like, what, you know, what can I expect the first, second and third month? Uh, you know, how long does it typically take to get the results that that you typically deliver, right? I get this all the time, you know, I've, and I, I, I feel like I explain things in terms of ads, but clearly when clients come at, come back at me and say what I'm going to tell you, they say, I'm still not explaining things quite well. So I'm constantly thinking like, how do I manage expectations? Um, but a lot of folks who hire me for ads Mm-hmm. I do testing for any person that's not going to test your ads for you, any media buyer that's like, yeah, we're just going to put some stuff on the internet. What do you want me to put there? Don't you're just wasting your money. Most good so, media buyers are going to test. When you say testing, are you talking about a B testing, for example? Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Split yeah testing. That, no, that's, that's awesome. Exactly we right. just had a full episode with uh, yours, Brian. And it was about like, hey, A-B testing, the importance of it. Yes. And, you know, it was really cool because I think one one thing most, uh, I guess you could say a common misconception that a lot of people have is when you're talking A-B testing, they literally think A or B, but it can be A, B, C, D, you know, all the way down the chain, or maybe it's A1, B, uh, A2, A3, different variations of A, and then you have B1, and then C3 or whatever, you know what I mean? Yes. Like you can have a ton of different um, variations, but it's doing it through that allows you to not just fine tune your message, but also to fine tune your message for specific target audiences as well. Yes. That's a hundred, like a thousand percent. Yeah. Listen to that guy. Yeah. I still get clients though that that are like, oh, hey, you know, our ads have been running for three days and we haven't gotten a lot of sales. Like, yeah, that's because we're testing. And P.S. The job of an ad is not to sell your product. The job of sometimes it is like if you're an online Mm -hmm. store and we're we're running like dynamic ads and carousels and stuff like yes. But if you're a a restaurant or not even a restaurant, Mm -hmm. that that is down funnel sales. Yeah. Um, But if you're like a service based you know, industry, right. like you're a property management company or a realtor or something like that. The job of the ad is to drive traffic to your website. The job of your mm-hmm. website is to turn the traffic into inquiries or phone calls or emails or things like that. That's why it's really important for business owners to really think about like, not just the steps that people take, but also the information they need to advance from one step to another and then how you measure those individual steps. And that's all really a fancy way of, of yeah, of just doing analysts, a, a, analyzing and collect, 
collecting and analyzing data. Easy for me to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Chrissy, this has been amazing. Thank you for all your for your story, your your history journey, I guess, uh, as well as how the marketing tips, how you got into it. I mean, it's inspiring. It's really cool. I think you gave us all, including me, a couple of different good tidbits there on how to look at data maybe a little bit differently like we were talking about earlier. But um, I've got to ask, how can people digitally, please note, I'm saying digitally, digitally stalk you? Thanks for asking. Uh, you can find me online at mountainsidemedia.com. I also am on social at MTN Side Media Co because somebody's squatting on Mountainside Media. And if you want to see <laughs> what I'm doing personally, I'm not super active all the time on Instagram, um, but I am there sometimes. Uh, you can follow sometimes. me personally at Cosborne. That's C-O-S-B-O-R-N-E, loves. And if you're a ski enthusiast, I actually live in Mammoth Lakes, California, and I do winter Ooh. snow reports all winter. So you'll just see me ah. out in my goggles with my dog, and it's like, there's 10 feet of snow on the ground and it's blowing sideways. And I just do these little snow reports, kind of fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've, I lived out in California for the last couple of years before I moved out here to Philly, but I've never got out there to, to Mammoth or anywhere. So that's well, one of the let me know. I'll show you around the hill. Yeah, yeah. But hey, thank you so much again for coming on. And uh, definitely, I want to make sure we get you back on in a couple more months. Thanks for having me. No problem. Cheers. Wow, that was an awesome chat with Chrissy, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But if you really want to help us out, because everybody, everybody listening to the show knows this, Shark Bite Biz is the best kept secret out there in the world of business media. So please share it out, help people to learn how to grow personally professionally, and most importantly, also grow their business. Share it out. I'd love to see nothing more than our friend Christy and Shark Bite Biz out there trending. Now let's get back to our rock star guest, or, or should I say our historic guest, Christy Osbert, because she had some awesome, awesome, awesome points. First, one clarification from the interview, and I think Christy was well prepared for this, as she's probably heard it a million times. In fact, we've had people on this show come on and give their personal testaments on how they got a quote-unquote worthless degree. Now, worthless may be a harsh word, but that is literally what a lot of our guests that were in similar situations you know, they came on and they said, hey, I got a worthless degree. This paper isn't worth two cents to me. It was a total waste of time. Now, that being said, like, look at Christy and look at how she has actually used it to her advantage. And it's amazing. She's totally a super strong person with a great mindset. And as you can tell, she is extremely driven. And that's where she took this negative idea that most people would have that like, hey, you wasted all that time and money on a history. She actually turned it into positive and she had the positive side of the argument which is huge because she is the very first guest and we've had about 10 to 15 people on the show that have said similar things but she was the first person that said actually you know what 
This degree in many ways helped me. And working, you know, the magic of turning data into dollars, as she said, you know, that part about her being a history major, you know, studying historical data and stuff like that, it actually didn't hurt her. And like I said, she really made the case for it. And again, I agree. I think it actually benefited her and gave her a super strong foundation of best practices on, on how to gather and interpret raw data. When I think about it, it makes sense. I mean, it really almost blows my mind because it just seems like an almost perfect career transformation for her. That's where, and we've said this a million times in this show before, life is nuance. It's not so black or white or this or that. There are many, many layers to the onion. That is life. And oftentimes, it's that stuff that's underneath the surface that makes everything in the world go round. Or in Christie's case, it's the devil in the details of data that allows her to smash it for that amazing conversion rate. You know, uh, Christy, I've got to say thank you for your amazing insight. Uh, thank you for coming on here. And you have such a positive and an amazing story that I really think it'll help inspire other people to make the career transformations into something that they love more down the road. So question of the day, what do you think of Christy's amazing career transformation? Leave a comment down below on YouTube. Do you want to be on the show? If so, shoot an email out to interviews at sharkbitebiz.com please don't forget join the channel for only three dollars a month you can become a baby shark or go to deadhousecoffee.com use code shark get 20 percent off your order and all the proceeds directly support this show you all know this by now but i'm david strasser this is shark bite biz we'll see you all next episode cheers Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 